0: Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, Today we're going to go ahead and get into uh, verse 1 of Acts. I think we've done enough preliminary background on it. Uh, Over the past couple weeks we've, we've talked about Uh, the fundamentals of Bible interpretation, which led to dispensationalism and what that is and what it is not. Um, And so today we're going to jump right into verse number one. We'll start here in just a minute. I got my e-sword open here. You guys are looking for a good Bible program. I use eSword. I've used it for years. Um, it's it's free. <laughs> it's excellent. You can add all kinds of modules onto it. Um, it's also got an excellent topic notes section, so you can put all your notes. So I preach and teach right out of it. It also prints out. Um, and it prints exactly as it's typed in e so. Excellent study tool for me, at least. Some guys go out and spend a whole lot of money on logos and things like that, which I'm sure, you know, is probably worth it. But e free. Free is me. <clears throat> All right, Acts chapter number one is where we're going to start today. Acts one. <clears throat> All right, we're going to go with that. It's eight oh two. All right, this right this will be session four in our act study. I've spent the first three sessions uh, talking about just some background and how I arrived at <clears throat> where I am in regards to the book of Acts and anyone who knows me knows that there has been a change in the way I view the book of Acts. Forgive me. I've uh, been struggling with a sore throat all week, but um, so I felt the need on my own. I went and studied the book um, and then I decided to share what I believe the Lord has shared with me. And as I'm sure Scott will attest to, um, You know, some people get a little shaken by it, Um, but what it really boils down to is whether or not you're going to interpret the Bible literally or not. If you're going to go with a literal interpretation of the Bible, then you can only interpret what is in front of you. Uh, If you start adding stuff to it, you're spiritualizing you're allegorizing if you begin to make it say something that it's not saying you're you have moved away from my literal approach to the bible and um, <clears throat> i'm not going to do that anymore uh and even within <clears throat> the circles that i have ran in for many years now we tend to do that we tend to put things where they don't belong, uh, and just follow the Protestant tradition, if you will. Uh, so this time, as we go through the Book of Acts, we are going to literally interpret it. Uh, we're not going to assume. Matter of fact, I have found that your best bet is to question assumptions, to question what you've what you've been taught. So. With that in mind, let's go ahead and uh, get into Acts chapter number one, verse number one. And begin our study, and you're certainly free to ask questions as we move along, and I'll address them as best I can. Sound good? Uh, Acts chapter number one <clears throat> The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And for years, as I've said, this book was a mystery to me because I failed to see it for what it is. The book of Acts is transitional. It is a transition from the Jew to the Gentile. It is a transition from Peter in the first nine chapters to Paul in 11 through 28. It is a transition from Jerusalem to Antioch, God's desire was to teach the Gentiles through the Jew, and that's something that just for years, I just, I I guess I just didn't do my homework in the Old Testament. I mean, his desire was to bring about salvation, good morning, Judy, uh, his desire was to bring about salvation to the Jew, to the Gentile, through the Jew. That's what God's desire was. You know, we looked at this the other week when we talked. In Isaiah, you know, 42, Behold my servant whom I I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth. Forgive my voice again. Judgment to the Gentiles. In Isaiah 49, 6, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Judah, And to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. God's desire was to bring salvation to the Jew so that he could take it to the Gentile. That was his plan. And last week we went over a lot of these these verses and and the redeemer shall come to Zion in Isaiah 59 20 and unto them that turn from their transgression in Jacob saith the Lord as for me, this is my covenant with them saith the Lord. And that's another complete Bible study. Uh, We are not covenant people. We do not live under a covenant. The covenants were given to the nation of Israel, not to the Gentile. We are not a covenant people. We do not live under a covenant. His covenants are with the Jew. And he says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words, which I put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of thy mouth out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed saith the lord from henceforth and forever so bottom line is god's desire was to reach the gentiles through the jew so when jesus came <clears throat> uh, at his first advent what could have would have should have happened didn't when he came preaching in matthew mark luke and john Saying the kingdom of heaven is nigh. That just means the kingdom of heaven is hand, is at hand. It's at, it's at the doorstep. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing you for it. And he said, he, he, John the Baptist, and the apostles priest, repent for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. He was preparing the people for the official offer of the kingdom, which came. Through the mouth of Peter, because he said, Upon thee I will build my church. And that's not talking about the Gentile church. It is talking about the kingdom church. It is talking about, and that word church, we, in our King James Bible, you know, many, t- we transfer that, we translate that word ecclesia into church, but it can be also translated into synagogue or just assembly um, and Peter and he, when he looked at Peter and said upon this rock I will build my church and I'll give you the gates I'll give you the keys what you bind will be bound and what you loose will be loosed he was appointing Peter as the official spokesperson and which he did in Pente- on the day of Pentecost to offer the kingdom to the nation of Israel And we're going to see as we study through the book of Acts together, that's exactly what Peter did, but it was rejected. So after it was rejected, God raised up the apostle Paul to take the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, which is a different gospel than the gospel of the kingdom that the apostles took to the nation of Israel. That's not heresy folks, that's just fact. You and I do not preach or at least we're not supposed to be preaching today repent for the kingdom repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is in hand. That is the gospel of the kingdom. It was under the law, it was a gospel of works, it required obedience. And it, it was the offer of the it was the preparation, if you will, for the offer of the kingdom that did come in Acts chapter 2, and it was rejected. So the nation of Israel rejected the kingdom. They rejected their Messiah. Therefore, God could not use them to take the gospel to the nations, to the Gentiles. So God raised up the apostle Paul to do what they failed to do. And again, The vast majority of the church today simply does not get that. And I'm not going to fault them because I did not get that for many, many years. I'm 53 years old. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. And I have just always ran on the assumptions of what I was taught. Instead of just going to the scriptures, reading it for myself, and and going with the literal interpretation of what is being said there in the text, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, so it's obvious that the book of Revelation, the book of Acts, is a transitional book. And I encourage—I know you got questions because I'm going to knock your assumptions all over the place uh, during our time together, and that's fine. I've already been down that road. Scott's been down that road. Judy's been down that road. <laughs> We've been down that road. Amen. Uh, and we've been looked at by everybody like we are, um, like we're nuts, like we're heretics, but we're not. I mean, there is nothing that, that, so what if the great commission go in all the world and preach the gospel, you know, what, what if that wasn't to us? What if that was to the Jew, which it was, it was to the nation of Israel. You know, our gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection, which was given by the apostle Paul. It doesn't really change anything. It's just where we're putting our commission. But it's still the the commission to preach the gospel. But our gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, I don't understand why people get all so bent out of shape. It's not like we're challenging or, you know, the basic tenets of the church. We're not. We're just saying that's not the right one. It's over here. (laughs) <laughs> and instead of over there. I mean, we're still preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we are not preaching repentance and baptism and commandments. We're not teaching that. That was for the Jew, not for the Gentile. And again, a couple of weeks ago, I, with my Bible study on Sunday nights, I watched Rodney Ballou's Uh, video. If you've never seen his videos, you need to watch them. He's up in Connecticut. And he talked about how that, you know, a lot of people are not ready for this. And I've learned, and I'm sure some of you have learned, I'm sure you've learned, um, they're not ready for this. Uh, And in his presentation, and I can, you know, put the link to his video in this, he talks about you have to create a dilemma first, (laughs) In other words, you have to, uh, create a point where they see that there's a contradiction here, you know, and once they see that contradiction, and there is, there are contradictions between what Peter said and what Paul says. There are contradictions between what Paul says and what James says, okay, and once they start questioning those contradictions. That's just a real good time to move in and say, you know what? Actually, these are not contradictions at all. Peter and James were talking to the nation of Israel. They were speaking to the Jew who was still very much under the law, who was still very much waiting for the kingdom. While Paul is speaking to the Gentile who is not under the law and who are not waiting for the kingdom. We're not waiting for a kingdom. We're waiting for a rapture. We're not waiting for a kingdom. We're not living in a kingdom either. (laughs) If we are, we're in big trouble. Um, So Rodney talks about in his video how that you have to create that dilemma You know, and once they have that dilemma, and that dilemma is usually a contradiction. uh, And you can create that dilemma by saying, hey, read what Peter said here and read what Paul said here. Doesn't that look like a contradiction to you? You know, and usually I've found at that point they're a little more open. So anyway, just a little hint there. I'll I'll definitely attach Rodney's uh, video to that. So if you think about it, What could have, would have, should have happened is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first seven chapters of Acts, remove all of the Pauline epistles and back Hebrew up, Hebrews up, the Hebrew epistles all the way through Revelation. That is what should have happened. That is what should have happened, could have happened, and would have happened if they would have accepted the gospel of the kingdom, if they would have repented and accepted their messiah uh yeah scott you did start a dilemma (laughs) you and i are not contingent upon a water baptism but a spiritual baptism that's right create the dilemma you got to take them to the scriptures and even then a lot of times they won't see it because we've learned how to dance around it i learned how to dance around it for many years um But uh, that's what should have happened. Jesus should have come, offered the kingdom. Jerusalem, the Jew would have repented, accepted the message of Peter. They would have went into Daniel's 70th week, which is the time of tribulation. At the end of which, the Lord would have returned and established his kingdom on earth. And you have to remember that in the Hebrew epistles, that's the book of Hebrews through Revelation, that is exactly what they are talking about. That is exactly what they are looking forward to. They are looking forward, if you will, to that tribulation period and that second coming. But it didn't happen that way. Because the Messiah was rejected. Therefore, God called Paul, who was exclusively the only apostle that was sent just to the Gentiles with a gospel of grace, which is simply believe and thou shalt be saved. So you and I are living in that age of the church, that age of the body of Christ, which is different uh, than the bride of Christ. Again, that's another head blower there. We are not the bride. Israel is the bride. And we'll talk about that as we get into our study a little bit further. So, just so understand if, if Acts was removed and we just went from John to Romans, it'd be, it wouldn't even make sense. What is Paul talking about? So, Acts has to serve as that segue between the Gospels and Paul. It shows how the, the, the kingdom was offered and how it was rejected, and how God raised up the Apostle Paul with the gospel of grace to go to the Gentile. So there is a diminishing, if you will, of Peter, and there is an establishment of Paul. There is a diminishing in the book of Acts from the, kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of grace. So from Romans to Philemon is the, the age of the church, it is the dispensation of what we call grace because Israel rejected their Messiah. And understand, the, that was actually an act of grace on the part of God because he should have judged Israel, but he showed them grace instead. Um, I've been really studying the uh, Romans chapter number 11. That's, that's another study for another time, but awesome study. Read that slow. Uh, What God did as an act of grace and not bringing judgment on the Jew for their rejection of their Messiah, uh, but instead offering or grafting in, if you will, uh, that wild olive uh, tree, uh, the Gentile into the promises as well. So very interesting study, and I've misinterpreted that for years, too. So uh, that's another one we got to work through. So Acts has to be viewed as a segue. If you just dropped off at the end of the Gospel of John and opened up to Romans chapter number one, it would not make sense. Acts has to be viewed as a segue um, or it would not make sense at all. Um, for example, I have a couple of things here. If Acts were removed, Romans would make no sense at all. It would have just picked up with the introduction of Paul with no segue. For example, in Luke 24, 44, it says, and he said to them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses. And behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon ye, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That is what happened at Pentecost. Pentecost was the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, he was going to empower them to take the gospel, not the gospel of grace, but the gospel of the kingdom to all nations. It cannot be referring to the dispensation of grace that you and I live in now. The one that Paul spoke of uh, in in Ephesians chapter 3, For this cause, Paul, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've not heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me toward youward, or to youward, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So obviously whatever Jesus told the apostles in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, was not what he told Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. Because Paul says it was only given to me. And he says how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. And obviously a mystery means nobody else knew it. Paul was the first one to know it. So they could not have been talking about the same thing. And then we got to ask, why were they told to wait in Acts chapter 1? Why were they told to wait there in Acts chapter number 1? Where it says tarry ye here in Jerusalem until ye be, because they were waiting for something to happen. What was that? It was the fulfillment of Pentecost, the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that that they could go and take the message of the kingdom to the nation of Israel first. And then after Israel repented, it would go further after the kingdom. Uh, The book must be, be viewed as a setting aside of Israel and the rise of the church. It is a transition. Any other way to view it would, would, would be an error. And then he says in verse 2, um, notice he says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophis, of all that the Jews began to do and to teach, until the day that he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. The former treatise is speaking of The Gospel of Luke. Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. Now, no one knows who Theophilus was, but his name means lover of God. And as Luke states, his gospel was that Jesus did and taught until he was taken up. So Luke, Luke, his gospel was what Jesus did and taught until he was taken up. That's the book of Luke. Okay, now in the second treatise that Luke is writing in the book of Acts, obviously he's going to talk about after the Lord was taken up. Notice that Jesus had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. What commandments were given to the apostles? We commanded them many things. You've heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Resist not evil. Uh, He told them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He told them, "If, if, if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same. Everything he told them in the Gospels was practically commandments that were for them. The bottom line is all of these had these commandments had to do with the kingdom that was to come and not the age of grace in which you and I are living in today. And then notice in verse number three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now that is interesting. I have never actually took the time before to see that. Apparently, during the 40 days between his resurrection, and his ascension, he spoke to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That means that Jesus had 40 days to explain to them what was going on. He had 40 days to explain to them what had just happened. And too many in the church today erroneously think that the apostles were ignorant. I've heard this so many times. Oh, poor Peter just didn't know what he was saying. Poor Peter, you know, should should have stopped quoting from, from, uh, from Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He should have only quoted those first two verses, and he should have stopped right there. He didn't know what he was talking about. You know, I shared with Scott, you know, a couple of days ago we had a speaker here, and, uh, you know, he... You know, he he basically implied that the apostles were in disobedience for not leaving Jerusalem. Uh, again, we it's because we don't understand what was going on. Uh, the apostles were to stay in Jerusalem. He told them, "Tarry in Jerusalem," um, and so many people just don't get that. Um, So Jesus, during those, and bear in mind, the cross was caught, the apostles, totally off guard. Um, They did not see the cross coming. Uh, They consistently, throughout Jesus' ministry, said, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Um, James and John's mother are like, hey, when you come into your kingdom, can my boy sit on your right and your left? And he said, woman, You don't you don't even know what you're asking me right now because they did not see the cross. So apparently during that 40 day seminar (laughs) that they had between the resurrection and the ascension, our Lord filled them in on what had to happen. Because in Acts chapter number two, they have this renewed vigor. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. Uh, so during that forty days, the Lord had to have filled them in on exactly what was going on at that time. You remember Jesus said, told them, He said, "I'm, a, I'm the Son of Man's going to be lifted up," and Peter's like, "No, no." You remember when Peter cut off Malchus's ear? No, they did not see the cross. So I believe that Christ explained more fully to them during that forty day period what exactly was going on. He gave them the backstory, if if you will. Um, it's interesting. I just put a little note here that, uh, 40 days corresponds to the days of testing in the desert. Um, you know, I just, I was trying to draw a parallel there. Um, 40 days, every day of testing is a day of ministry. Uh, you know, I, I, that may be a sermon one day, but, uh, just kind of interesting there. And then look in verse number four and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but they should wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now notice they're told, do not depart from Jerusalem, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father so what was the promise of the father well the promise of the holy ghost which was promised in joel chapter 2 and verse number 28 and it shall come to pass afterward that i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days I will pour out my spirit. That was the promise that they were told to wait to tarry in Jerusalem until it should be fulfilled. Interesting. There's a I got a little interesting note here. Um, if you look back in Acts, uh, notice that where it says wait for the promise of the Father. If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, that is in red. Uh, but understand, red-letter editions did not come out until around 1899. But apparently, if you, if you look at this, um, and being assembled together with them, that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water. Um, again, they're assuming that our Lord said that Uh, and uh, have you ever heard people say I'm a red-letter Christian (laughs) have you ever heard people say that well my question is can you truly be a red-letter Christian because Jesus never said anything to the church in the Gospels so to say you're a red-letter Christian is 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 quite ignorant if you really think about it you can't really be a red letter christian because everything we know about the christian church is found by the apostle paul from romans through philemon um just another uh, point of interest um i had a a, a note here um that actually John the Baptist is the one that said those words, and that's why I brought that up, not Jesus. Uh, So in the red-letter Bible, they erroneously put those letters in red. Uh, In Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So that was spoken of by John the Baptist. Uh, in Luke chapter 3, verse number 16, then John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet hoof of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So actually, John the Baptist uh, spoke those words. So, point is, the red letters are not inspired, folks. Okay. And the second point is, uh, uh, there's a lot more to the Bible than just the red letters to, so to say I'm a red letter Christian, or I believe all the red letters. I believe all the red letters too. Uh, but the red letters were to the nation of Israel. So they were to wait in Jerusalem for Joel chapter two, uh, to occur, um, I found something also interesting, and I think it might have been Randy White that pointed this out. If you don't follow Randy, Randy's an excellent Bible teacher. Randy White, Rodney Blue, Les Feldick are some of the, the best um, teachers that I've just really been learning a lot from over uh, these many months. I'd encourage you to do the same. The King James uses the term Holy Ghost 90 times and it is always referring to the third person of the Trinity, while just the word Spirit with small s is not. So one of the neat things about the King James Bible is that the word Holy Ghost is always Uh, referring to the third person of the Trinity. You know that they're talking about the third person of the Trinity, and it's always called the Holy Ghost. Notice in verse number six, and when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom again to Israel? Notice the apostles are still looking for the kingdom. Why? Because that's what, was supposed to be next and yet i have heard so many bible teachers speak down about this and literally call them ignorant they were looking for a kingdom because they were promised a kingdom and that's what woulda coulda shoulda happened next but it didn't throughout our lord's ministry they were constantly concerned about a kingdom why? Because John the Baptist's first words in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 2, was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Our Lord's first words in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Beatitudes of Matthew chapter number 5 were all about the kingdom. The entire message of the gospel was about the kingdom, you know, in Matthew four twenty-three, and Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and all manner and healing all manner of diseases and, and uh, that were that and sickness among them. Anyone who says that they are in the kingdom today needs to actually read the text. We are not in the kingdom. They were expecting a kingdom. And we know that it was a literal kingdom because they said, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? They were looking for a physical kingdom, an earthly kingdom. They were not looking for a spiritual kingdom. It wasn't a kingdom that was to be in their hearts. (laughs) It was a kingdom from which Christ would rule from Jerusalem. Um, in and remember in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 28, and Jesus said unto them, verily, I say unto you that ye, which have followed me in the regeneration, when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So why were the 12 looking for a kingdom? Because they were going to sit on 12 thrones, judging the the 12 tribes of Israel. They were always looking for a kingdom, a literal kingdom, a restored kingdom. The kingdom from which David ruled, and now his descendant would rule. And then verse number seven, and he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Notice that he did not correct them. Instead, he just said that it was not for them to know. It was not for them to know. Why? Because it was contingent upon them taking that gospel to the nation and the nation repenting. So the bottom line is that the kingdom offer was still on the table at this time. It was still on the table. Now, if you read a lot of commentaries, they will say, no, the kingdom was rejected back in Matthew 12. And when Jesus cursed the fig tree, and then he began to turn toward the church. And he said, on Peter, I'll raise up my church. And then the church was born in Acts chapter 2. We do not get that from the scriptures, folks, at all. The kingdom of heaven is at hand throughout the Gospels. It was not officially offered. It hasn't been offered yet. It's going to be offered in Matthew, in Acts chapter number two. And then in verse number eight, um, <clears throat> we do distinguish the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. Um, now, Scott, a lot a of, lot I've studied that a lot. Um, really, they're they're synonymous. I I haven't really been able to distinguish them uh, at all because I can, if if you look even in the Gospels between, I think it's Matthew and Luke, they will actually interchange those words. Um, so I I have never. I haven't been able to distinguish the two, to be honest with you. Now for years, I thought there was the kingdom of heaven was for the Jew and the kingdom of God was for the Gentile or, or the kingdom of, of heaven is a spiritual kingdom. King, you know, I, I haven't been able to distinguish the two, uh, quite honestly. And again, I, I've, I've done that study. I can find my notes on it, but you can read verses throughout the gospels where they are interchangeably used. So I haven't been able to distinguish between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God uh, personally. Now, I may be wrong. I mean, I, we're all on a learning curve here. And if you've got some, some verses or some ideas, man, I would be more than, more than happy. Lord, Lord knows I, I have been in a state of humility now for the past year and a half. Uh, people ask me questions that I had an answer for two years ago, and now I, I'm not sure. So, um, but interesting question. Uh, in my studies, I haven't been able to to differentiate between those two. They seem to be synonymous to me. Now I know that God is King of the universe. You know, I mean, and, you know, a lot of people in the church say today that you know uh, I'm a king's child. Uh, he's my king you know actually he's the king of the Jews he's not the king of the gentiles in 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 one sense but he is king and he does reign uh, and he does have sovereignty so to say you know he's the king yes he's the king but he's not specifically he's specifically the king of the Jews uh so there is that that universal reign of Christ um, i don't think you're going down that road uh, if you are we can talk about it but uh uh, he's definitely the king of the universe, but specifically he's king of the Jews. Um, but uh, interesting question. And again, I'd love to pursue that with you. Um, and then notice in verse number eight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is upon comes upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, while while he refused to elaborate on the timing of the restoration of the kingdom, remember they asked him, when will you go do this? He says, not for you to know. He did tell them that it would be preceded by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost who would come and empower them, the apostles, to take the message to Jerusalem and beyond. Okay, Um, only the kingdom is in view here and nothing beyond that. The church is not in view in this verse. The church is not in view in this this verse, okay? He is saying they are going to take the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom to Jerusalem and beyond. Only the kingdom... Is in view here. You have to remember, and, and, and again, I'm I'm learning this. What was said, who was it said to, and what did they understand it to mean? That is the interpretation of the verse. Okay. What was said, who it was said to, and what did they understand it to mean when it was said. That is the incorrect interpretation of the verse. So right now, we've got apostles here, 11 of them. They are looking for a kingdom. And every word that is coming out of our Lord's mouth to them is in regards to that kingdom. They have absolutely no clue as to a church, a Gentile bride, that is. They have absolutely no clue that the nation of Israel is getting ready to turn its back on its messiah and his legitimate offer of the kingdom so again who said it who did it say it to and what did they understand it to mean when they heard it that is the interpretation you know we tend to look back with 2020 hindsight and reinterpret things based upon what we know now you know, I say this when I speak of the book of Revelation. You can only, you can only write about what you don't know in what you do know. <laughs> you know. I mean, I can't explain something that I don't know. I can only use terms of what I do know to explain what I don't know. So the apostles here don't know anything about the mystery that was to be revealed to the apostle Paul. So they are not thinking about that. Okay, they are. this is the kingdom. And the Lord is not speaking in parables at this time. He is literally telling them, uh, stay here. You're going to be filled with the spirit. And when you're filled with the spirit, you're going to take the same gospel. Repent, be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand to Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond. Only the kingdom is in view here. And when he had spoken these things in verse nine, while they beheld, he was taken up in the cloud and received him out of their sight. Why did Jesus have to ascend? Now, this is interesting. Uh, I was uh, in a Bible study several weeks ago. Why did he have to ascend? Why didn't, why couldn't he just stay, you know, and let them take the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, And then, you know, um, The only passage that speaks about it that I find possibly is Ephesians chapter four and verses nine and 10. And it says there with all lowly, well, nine and 10. Now that he ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. That's the only verse that gives me a clue i believe of why he had to ascend he had to fulfill or fill all things and it speaks of reigning or overseeing and if you think about it he had to go away so that he could come back again Which is the second coming. So he had to, there had, he had to go away so that there would be a second advent. Also, if you want to project out a little bit in the book of Revelation, uh, had the kingdom, had the Jews accepted the gospel of the kingdom, he would have had to be there on the throne to oversee um, the tribulation period. So our Lord had to uh, ascend. um, also in Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies, thy footstool. In other words, the Lord had to be sitting at the right hand of the father when all of this stuff went down so that he could make his enemies, his footstool. So, uh, that was a, uh, a question that was asked. Why did he have to ascend? Why couldn't he have just stayed? Well, he had to ascend that he might fill or fulfill all things. On another note, when it says a cloud received him, uh, could be, and most likely I believe, is referring to heavenly hosts rather than simply atmospheric clouds. <laughs> because when you read in the Bible, it talks about it a lot about the Lord coming with the clouds. Uh, and I believe that's referring to heavenly hosts more so than it is to regular atmospheric clouds. So just another, um, yeah, that's good Scott to apply the blood to the mercy seat in heaven. Amen. That's, that's good too, man. I mean, he had to ascend. He had to go back and set at the right hand of the father. Very good. Um, that's a, that's a great study. Uh, you know, looking at the, the wings of the cherubim as they set over the mercy seat, as they they're spread out over the mercy seat and then directly under the mercy seat is the law the commandments the blood had to be applied as god the shekinah glory set upon it and looked down it would see that blood and not the law you know and in the old testament it was a temporary atonement as they sprinkled the blood it only temporarily Stopped God from seeing the law. That's why it had to be applied continually, continually, and that's the whole book. That's the whole book of Acts. Uh, the whole book of Hebrews is a lot of the book of Hebrews is talking about that. But when Jesus came, it was the perfect blood uh, that was applied. Very good points, God. I like that. That's good stuff. Uh, look in verse number ten. We got about ten minutes, I guess. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven <clears throat> as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And of course, we know that speaking of the second coming. Uh, The two men wearing white apparel are obviously angelic beings, uh, perhaps part of the cloud, uh, that we talked about in verse number nine. Uh, the Bible also says, again, he's going to return with clouds. You know, in Revelation 1-7, uh, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him again. I don't think these are referring to nubilous, uh atmospheric clouds. Uh, this is referring to the host of heaven. Also in Matthew 24, 30, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So <clears throat> the clouds I think are, are representing the heavenly hosts. Uh, also clouds are present at the rapture of the church uh in first thessalonians 4 17 then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air so shall we ever be with the lord um, um then we also see in revelation eleven twelve, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them come up hither And they ascended up into heaven. That's the two witnesses in Revelation chapter number 11. So the clouds. Interesting that the angels asked them, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The apostles had a lot of work ahead of them. (laughs) They had to prepare the nation of Israel for what was to come. The tribulation, the second coming, the kingdom. Uh, and they were going to do this by proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So why are you standing here looking up into heaven, as some would say? Um, why, why are you standing here? Go do what you were told to do. Um, they And they were going to do this by proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I got a note here. Um, Matthew chapter 24, that's going to be a completely different study. I have read the church into Matthew chapter 24 uh, for so many years um, uh, that it's uh, quite sad. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, they were to be busy about proclaiming the kingdom just as he told them in Matthew chapter number 24. And maybe next time we're together, we can kind of go through that. Uh, This is not the message nor the mission of the church. We are not preparing the world for a kingdom or a king necessarily. I mean, he is king of the universe, but he's king of the Jews. Um, Our mission is a heavenly mission. Remember, the promises to the Jew are earthly. The promises to the church or the Gentile are heavenly. In Philippians chapter three, verse number 24, our conversation is in heaven from whence we also look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what our part, if any, will be in the kingdom. The kingdom is an earthly physical rule of our Lord Jesus Christ over the Jews. The twelve, the 12 will be judging the twelve tribes. Um. You know, and I can get into more speculation there, but but we are a heavenly people. We're not an earthly people. Our message is not about a kingdom, but about an individual salvation. You see, the Jews had to collectively repent. It was national repentance. If two thousand were saved when Peter preached the first time, and three thousand were saved the second time Peter preached, it was not enough. The entire nation of Israel had to repent in order for the kingdom to be restored. And it simply did not happen. Also notice uh, these, this same Jesus, which was taken up from you in the heavens, shall so come in like manner as ye see him go into heaven. Hello, Leslie. Um, this is the very same Jesus, the same way that you saw him go, he will come back in like manner. Just as he physically left, he will physically return. That was the promise. Just as he left from the Mount of Olives, he will also return to the Mount of Olives. That's what the angel told him. The same way you see him go will be the same way you see him return. In Zechariah chapter four and verse number four, and his feet, speaking of the coming of the day of the Lord, behold, the day of the Lord cometh and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses will be rifled and the women will be ravished and half the city will go forth in the captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. So the the angel is telling them the same way you see him go is the same way he will return. He left physically, he will return physically. He left from the Mount of Olives and he will return to the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah fourteen nine, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. There shall be one Lord, and his name is one. Um, so the same way you see him go is the same way you'll see him return. This is not referring to the rapture of the church. This is referring to the second coming. The rapture is for the church. The second coming is for the nation of Israel. <clears throat> And then notice in verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. A Sabbath day's journey is slightly over a mile. Notice that they were still concerned with the law. They were still concerned with the law. Why? Because they were still very much under the law. And we will find that they are still going to the temple. Uh, even after this happened, uh, they didn't start home Bible studies. They immediately started, they kept going back to the temple with the assumption that they were still participating in the sacrifices. Um, and when they were come into the upper room, and this is where I'll finish the last couple minutes, and when they were come in, verse 13, in, uh, when they were come in, they went up into the upper room, where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, the Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names being together about one hundred. 20 so now Luke names the apostles present by name and of course Judas Iscariot is not there he has not been replaced yet altogether there was about 120 of them and notice also that it says they were all in one accord in prayer and supplication that is important to know since some today question what Peter does next They question what Peter does next. And what Peter does next is he replaces Judas with Matthias. And many, you read the commentaries. I'm telling you, I'm challenging you this week. Read the commentaries on what they say Peter did here. And they will tell you that Peter got ahead of God And he chose Matthias when God had already chosen the Apostle Paul. Read it. (laughs) No, I tell you, Peter did exactly what Peter was supposed to do here, because the Apostle Paul has nothing to do with these 12 apostles. These 12 apostles are going to the nation of Israel. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So very interesting there. I would encourage you to read that, and we'll... We'll get into it you know you ever heard the question who's is paul's name on on the uh in the heavenly city is he on the 12 foundations or whatever the 12 gates uh the 12 the 12 uh, what is 12 gates are named after 12 tribes and the 12 foundations you know is paul's name there or matthias's name is there um i can answer that for you matthias's name is there because paul was the apostle to the gentiles uh, Matthias was to be, was to complete the 12, taking the gospel, the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And we'll talk about that next week. So you got a little bit of homework, but anyway, I sure do appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in today. Um, let's see, Scott and Rosie. I know Scott, you're in South Carolina. Rosie's in Texas. Judy, you're here in Virginia. And then I see Leslie. She is also in Texas, West Texas, as a matter of fact. So, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate your questions, and continue to post them on here, and I'll I'll keep responding as best I can. We're on this journey together. Uh, there there are things that that I still do not understand, like you know Scott uh, mentioned something. Uh, that really, uh, you know, to apply the blood of mercy seat in heaven. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that, that all things might be fulfilled. So I'm learning, you're learning, we're learning together. And I would just encourage you. Um, you know, I still get invited to speak in churches. And I do not make this the topic of my sermon. Um, because I'm not here to to split anything. I'm not here to cause any kind of division. Um, you know, and I understand that, um, uh, you know, I, I don't have all the answers, you know, I really don't. I mean, I'm still, po- I mean, as I got on this journey, one answer led to another question, which led to another answer, which led to yet another question. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm not here to cause division. Um, I'm just here to literally interpret the Bible. What does it mean? What, what does it mean for me? and uh so i'm on this journey and you're on this journey too so i'll be praying for you guys and i sure do appreciate you and i love you and uh um let's just enjoy the journey together and learn from each other and uh, remember that god loves you and he wants the best for you and he's working all things out for our good god bless you guys y'all have a great week